Hello and welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, and culture. While drinking a few brews. Though we don't often use strong language, the jokes and the content is not intended for young audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Before we begin the episode, we have to give a huge shout out to the Dangits from Madison, Wisconsin for providing us with great bluegrass intro you hear at the beginning of every episode. The song Razzle was written by Jamie Lampkins, but is performed by on behalf of Tom Wasselchuk and the Dangits. If you have a chance, check these guys out at dang-its.com for upcoming shows, music, or on how to book them for weddings, parties, and etc. Thank you for listening. All right. Welcome to episode six of Wisconsin Drunken History. My name is Eric. I'm Russ. So today we have a pretty entertaining episode for you. I don't know if any of you have been to a Bucks game or Brewers game recently, but they try to get the the players who aren't from here to pronounce some of our city names. And as you know, some of them can be a bit tricky, but it's uh, entertaining nonetheless to hear an outsider try to make sense of all of the vowels and consonants that we throw into these things. Yeah, and actually some of us pronounce them incorrectly, so we're going to try to clarify it in the episode. Exactly, yeah. As Russ said, that's one thing that we have noticed over this cor- over the course of this research. We're not even saying some of these correctly. We're saying them alike, but we're not saying them properly. So this is pretty uh, uh, interesting for sure. Uh, just want to also say thanks to all of the listeners uh, to our show. Uh, obviously, numbers are growing, views are intensifying. This is awesome. We're really, we're really happy, and we're really proud to uh, to really be able to do this for you guys. And uh, keep keep subscribing and keep listening. That's all we can ask for. That's awesome. We also have uh, continued to uh, produce different merch that we will definitely be bringing out to all of you soon. Um, the, the biggest thing that we wanted to uh, just sort of discuss is that, you know, any of the merch sold or anything like that, generally not for profit. It's just to help us be able to get from uh, episode to episode, uh, buy the, uh, the beer that we review, but also then uh, keep the servers uh, online and uh, produce better website and better content. And then also in the future, be able to travel and do remote uh, interviews and, and uh, remote shows as well. Yeah, and some of your original listeners, we'd love to meet all of you. So once we get these kind of lined up, we want you guys to come out and come say hey. And we have beer koozies, pins. Uh, we'll probably have shirts at that point. So, yeah, please stop out and come say hey. Awesome. And then I think uh, on the last episode, we had a few things that we wanted to uh, clarify. Yeah, so I made a few minor errors. Like, they wouldn't be anything you would notice. They were really small errors. Um, on the Pabst episode, I said that Pabst had four children that survived. There was actually five. And uh, it was a minor slip-up, um, but I think it was due to the uh, malty beverages we sip on. Yeah, absolutely. And there was one more on the Bubbler episode, and nobody would have caught this. Obviously, the episode makes sense, but I said 1988, around the time when Duran Duran was still on the radio. Yeah, exactly. And it was actually 1888 when Beethoven was still on the radio. <laughs> so just a minor slip-up, but yeah, without further ado, here's our episode. Awesome. So today's episode is Wisconsin origin. So the origin of Wisconsin's name is a kind of a complicated story. Um, and there's a couple theories, but I think one makes more sense over the other. Uh, the one theory posed that originally it came from the Algonquin language family. 
This language is spoken by tribes like the Menominee, the Ojibwe, the Potawatomi, and the, Mo- and the Mohican tribes. And actually the term Wiscose, Wisco meaning something good, and say meaning a good place to camp or live. But honestly, this next theory is probably the more plausible one. So the other interpretation, and the one currently on Wikipedia, I don't use Wikipedia, obviously, but it is on there, is that um, it was from the Miami language. And I'm going to state the case why I think this one is correct. Um, They speak a language that's similar to the Menominee tribes. Um, The word originates from the word muskusing, which translates to where the Red Rocks lie, referring to the Wisconsin Dells area. And if you haven't been there, the Red Rocks around that area are awesome. It's absolutely beautiful and gorgeous to drive through there. Yeah, and you can take those duck tours through there. Really mm. cool. In 1673, French explorer Jacques Marquette had two Miami Indian guides as a companions that led him through the area, explaining the Miami Indian reference, and referred and recorded it down as miscousing, and to me, this seems a little bit a bit more plausible than the true origin story. Obviously, the Miami tribe is not really from here, but they were just the guides that were along with them. Sure. And a reason for all the confusion is uh, when the French ended up messing up the language. So if many of you don't know, there are three language types in Europe. There's the Slavic, Germanic, and Latin languages. And obviously, the Germanic is a little more harsh. French is a little more flamboyant. And you got the Slavic languages, obviously, like Russian and, and Estonia. Yeah. And so the W from Wisconsin actually comes from Jean-Baptiste. And he's a really famous map maker at the time. And he actually went with these Indians and marked down all the locations. And it was one of the first maps that Wisconsin made. And so because these two guys are with him, obviously, it's probably the more likely theory that th- that's how Wisconsin got its name. Um, when he presented the map to Robert, Robert Cavalier... He interpreted the first two letters, me sound, as we, obviously the French word for yes, leading to them to, pr- to pronounce the area as we, Wisconsin. And it actually became Wisconsin, we, Wisconsin for about 150 years. And obviously the English came and settled in the area, you know, and Germanic language is a lot more harsh. So when we say we, it's, it's you know, it's we, you know, that's, that's the pronunciation for the English language. Right. So obviously in it became on July 4th of 1836 the the English settlers kind of took over this area a little more so it actually became officially known as Wisconsin on this date. And you know there's a lot of misinterpretations obviously and this is kind of how the state came together it was formulated by Native American, French and English influence and it's kind of a interesting story honestly. Yeah, and honestly what was what was um Probably the most interesting to me was that there's a whole nother theory to it. To me, the only one that I had ever heard of and, and the one that I sort of subscribe to is uh, from uh, Wayne's World and the the uh, kind of explanation from uh, what's his name? Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper. Yeah. So it, it just sort of it, it's uh, it's sort of shocking and surprising that there's this whole other setup that that you know, nobody really has probably heard of unless you, you know, dig deep. But to, to me, it just made so much sense when, when in Wayne's world, Alice Cooper just explains it out to, uh, to, uh, Wayne and Garth, you know, what happened. Yeah. And actually like, it, it's kind of interesting how the Ojibwe, which is, you know, based here in Wisconsin kind of came up with their own theory of how it could have happened. But obviously because the French map making, it's, it's the more plausible theory that the, the French actually named Wisconsin. And then yeah. it became bastardized by the Germanic language of the English settlers. Those bastards. Oh. 
if you can explain maybe a little bit too, I know that there's an interesting story behind the Badger State and how we got that sort of nickname and, and how it began uh, to be more popularized. Yeah, so when you hear the term Badger in Wisconsin, you think that we're full of Badgers, which is absolutely not true. They're very rare in the state. I believe the DNR has spotted some in the past few years, but really they're very rare to find them. Um, and actually the name comes from the southwestern part of the state. Around the 1800s, lead miners would dig little holes that miners started to dig and then they would abandon and they kind of speckled the land. And they, they were believed that the settlers actually lived in these holes and they became known as badger miners. And it was kind of an interesting thing. Like they thought it was derogatory, but really it's not. It's something they take very prideful and it became like the symbol of the state. And there's actually no evidence of them living in the holes Around the 1830s and 1840s, the name just kind of stuck, and it just became Badger Miners or Badgers. Though not always a positive term, obviously, the miners and residents took it as a pride of heritage. The Badger is also known for being tough, great diggers, which is the mining history of the state, obviously, resourceful and very hardy animals, and can adapt easily to its surroundings. Obviously, like the early settlers that settled here, I mean, the winters are harsh here. I mean, if anyone's been through an up north winter, specifically negative 60s, I mean, it's brutal. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, they had to be tough and, and be able to hold their own in just the elements alone. Right. And so our next section is actually we're not going to go into the history of these towns, but we wanted to explain how to actually pronounce the town names and just how they got that name. Yeah. And so we will start with. Muskego, which to many of you uh, may not be familiar, but this is actually the home. Muskego is the home of Project Cape Studio, uh, where we uh, where we film and record uh, a bunch of different studio projects. So Muskego is actually derived from the Potawatomi tribe. They actually named the area Muskegoak, which means sunfish, obviously shortened to Muskego. But it's due to the three lakes surrounding the area. Obviously, I think you have, what, Big Muskego, Little Muskego, and Danoon. Danoon is the other one, yep. Yep, and it actually was just because of the great fishing in the area. And so I don't want to butcher these names, and I actually practiced these beforehand, and I have an informant that helped me pronounce these before I started the show. So I hope I don't butcher these. (laughs) Yeah, you have to sit in front of the mirror, right? Yeah, definitely for these. I mean, some of them are pretty hard to pronounce. Absolutely. So the other one... Uh, is Beloit that we're going to talk about. One of the other ones, I should say. And uh, what I want to just explain really quick is that I have a theory of how this happened. There was a man on the Rock River, and he made a poop from the bridge, and when the poop hit the water, it said, Beloit. Is that right? (laughs) Close. Okay. So actually, the town was originally to be called New Albany, and when you think of Beloit, obviously there's a lot of crime there, and it's it's always been voted the worst city in the state. And but actually, it's not it's not a bad place. The downtown's actually rate making a really great recovery. Um, they're trying to clean up some of the drugs and crime. And obviously, Beloit, because it's kind of the center between like Chicago, Rockford, Milwaukee, Madison, it became kind of the drug hub, which is really unfortunate because it's actually a very beautiful area. And the name Beloit actually means handsome ground. Oh. And our farm is located out in Beloit. For those of you that don't know, it's it's in between Beloit and Orfordville, kind of just on the town. We're actually the town of Beloit, not in Beloit. And, I mean, if you're out there, it's very beautiful. I mean, there's prairies everywhere. 
Uh, the farmland is very luscious. It's just really unfortunate of some of the crime and stuff that does exist in this town. Yeah. And actually, if you want to know the truth, we don't really pronounce, pr- pronounce Beloit correctly. It's actually a French word, Belou- Belua. And it's similarly like Detroit, which is actually Detroit. And a lot of people don't know this. Obviously, we butcher it because we do the English pronunciation right. of it. Absolutely. So the next town we have is Waukesha. And originally, it was called Town of Prairie Valley. In 1847, the town changed its name to Waukesha. Waukesha is another one of those that was butchered thanks to our Anglo-Saxon pronunciations. But the word actually derives from the Ojibwe word Wagoshag or the Potawatomi word Watsa. Who the, in the, it was actually named after a local tribe leader who was described as being tall, athletic, proud in his bearing, dignified, and friendly. For most of its hi- history, it was actually believed that it was an Algonquin word, meaning fox or little foxes, which is actually incorrect. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, and the next one we have for you is Nashota. And a lot of people don't <laughs> pronounce this one right. This is kind of one I've seen get messed up often. Yeah, Nashota. Um, but it's actually pronounced Nashota but actually comes from the Potawatomi word and is Nishota, which means two or twin rivers due to the nearby waterways in the area. And it's just another case of a Germanic butchery of the Native American language. So we have one more, and this one's probably one of the harder ones. And we're going to have more episodes on this, especially there's some really crazy ones you you probably are pronouncing wrong currently. Yeah. Um, But this one is Ashwabanon. And I've seen the Brewers mess this one up. I've seen Bucks players mess this one up. It's, yeah. it's a tough one to pronounce. <laughs> this is one of the ones. So this is another one with a few theories to the name. And the first one is from the Ojibwe origin, which derives from the word Ashiwabi winning, which means place where they watch or keep lookout. But the next theory comes from the Menominee language, which is related to the Ojibwe language and derives from Eswapanan, or meaning thither see the dawning. And the last theory for the town is that is from the Sioux tribes where there was a chief named Ashwabami, which is another theory. And the land around Green Bay was actually purchased from the Sioux in the 1850s by the U.S. military. And a lot of people don't know that, but yeah, it's true. There's three different theories to that one. I think the more likely one is the Ashwabami tribe. It seems like there's a, a little bit more, uh, you know, of an of a actual history behind it. It's not just a theory, you know. So basically, like to conclude the episode, um, it was so all these all these town names are a lot of them are Native American, but a lot of them are just because of English butchery that they sound the way that they do. But these are the true pronunciations of the town, and I hope you found it very informative. I hope you did too, Eric. Yeah, I, I definitely learned quite a bit. Uh, so many of these, uh, there's there's theories that go beyond just, I guess the the broken down meaning of the names, you know, that you can pinpoint, okay, here's, you know, a native American word within the city name that we can, you know, trace back to like the other one, Fox or little foxes for Waukesha. That's just crazy to me that it, it may not have had anything to do with that whatsoever. And when you really broaden it out and you look at the whole word and being maybe mispronounced for, you know, the last few hundred years, it's crazy that it, there's, you know, so many more theories that exist for these and the languages are so complicated i just listened to the wisconsin project um from wpr yeah um, and they just did one on the like why do all the town names have wa in it right and it's actually very complicated and they really don't have an answer i mean there's so many different interpretations of wa 
that it's 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 based on place by place. Yeah, you know? and I think with the with the the rich history of many different tribes living in these areas, each one of them probably had their own language or even just maybe a small dialect of the language, and there, it's probably almost impossible to uh, to you know narrow down exactly where certain things came from when to one tribe it means something different and then a whole nother one you know it's just it's crazy yeah and that's exactly it and they they even had like professors who researchers and people that actually speak the language yeah and each one kind of had their their own interpretation of you know based on their language what it meant that's crazy so all right so uh thank you for uh listening to that uh interesting part of the the story on how you know the origins of different things here in the state we move now to our music segment where we break down a, a local band or local artist. We play their music, and we give you a little bit of uh, insight into uh, them as a band, uh, what, we, what we feel about them, and uh, then we leave open in- interpretation for you guys to uh, make your own conclusions uh, at home. Yeah, so I know the drummer personally, Jake Ruffin, He's a pretty cool guy, man. He used to come over, kind of party with us once in a while. We'd kind of go out on the town. And uh, I know he's always been kind of into music and drumming specifically. And he's actually a drummer for the band. And uh, they do have a video out for the next song you're going to hear. And obviously, it's a really great song because Midsummer just passed. And uh, if you're Scandinavian heritage, I'm sure you know about Midsummer. Yeah. A really cool midsummer party I went to actually was a, a pontoon boat where they stripped everything off and they stacked logs on it and dumped gasoline on it, kicked it out to the river. And actually there was somebody who shot a flaming arrow on it and lit it up. It was one of the coolest experiences of my life. It was up North Wisconsin. It was beautiful. Awesome. Yeah. I know I'd, I had uh, been around at your house for at least one, you know, one uh, get together that we had and, and Jake was there and we had a chance to talk a little bit of music. We had a chance to, uh, listen to you know some some wild stuff on on your stereo and then uh, i showed him a few dance moves as well so the wild stuff on my stereo that's about it dude. yeah that's the thing <laughs> wild stuff man so yeah without further ado here is midsummer wonder Remember last fall 
All right, that was Midsummer Wonder. And now for our next segment, How Many Locos You At? Yeah, today's episode comes from us from Janesville, Rock County area. And this one is a man who wanted to buy more beer, but his BAC was four times the legal limit. A Janesville man arrested for drunken driving after coming out of a convenience store was at the store buying more beer had a blood alcohol concentration more than four times the legal limit. Man, 42, was taken into custody about 8.30 p.m. Tuesday at Jake's Mobile Gas Station in, in Janesville. Man refused to take a field sobriety test at the gas station, so he was taken into custody. Preliminary breath test showed he had a blood alcohol concentration of 0.34. Dude should be on the floor right now. Yeah, I mean, he should be... This is like complete maximum... Uh, the deputy at the, the gas station was on a traffic complaint when he saw when he saw the man stumbling out of the convenience store. The man attempted to walk over to his vehicle that was running in the parking lot when the deputy made contact with him. He admitted to driving to the gas station to purchase more beer and also admitted he was intoxicated. Yeah, I think we can see that, dude. You tripped over an invisible thing coming out of a convenience store and an officer across the street saw you. Yeah, I mean, when you come out of a convenience store looking like those old school movie Irish drunks that are just like, you know, falling just over on the street. Yeah, just completely it. Oh, yeah. my God. So, I mean, with that, how many locals do you think this guy was at? I mean, a point three four, And let's say he was sucking down some lokes. I mean, um, I'm telling you right now. So, if, if this was loco that got him to this point, he would have been on the floor. And if not, this man is a Greek god. But my... My guess, my best guess here 
is with .34, he minimum had to have had four loco cans. So he's at a 16 loco. Oh, 100% has to be. Yeah, I mean, a .34, and considering the alcohol percentage in there, I would guess a .34 would be about a 12 or 16 loco. So either three or four cans of loco, which is a bad night for anyone. If you, yeah. So for loco, for anybody listening that doesn't know or isn't aware of what this absolutely god-awful concoction is, it is a witch's brew of basically Red Bull Monster-esque things with malt liquor. This is a this is a, a machine that was built to carry you right to hell. It's supposed to keep you out for parties, but uh, hell's close enough, I dude. Mean, I, easily, there's like a small amount of cocaine mixed into every single can <laughs> that keeps you somehow upright, uh, even though you have consumed enough liquor to drop an elephant. Right, and do you remember? I think in early two thousands, or what, like when we were graduating, they banned it for the longest yeah, it was time. Right around like two thousand seven, I think. And they they banned that sucker, and it was gone for a long time, and then they re released it. I think they had like a new recipe or something. They they took one of the ingredients out, or a few of them, or something. They probably just took the cocaine out, and now it's just this uh, monster energy slash um, <laughs> just liquid malt beverage. That's it's still its main. Its main objection is to knock you out cold, right. but keep you keep the shell of you alive to still do <laughs> stupid stuff like this guy. Yeah, like you can go to a party, but if uh, you try making love to a woman, that thing that penis no. isn't working, man. Nope. That thing's limp, limp and shit. Done. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting any, dude. <laughs> and now for today's beer review segment. Today's beer comes to us from Hop House. This is the Hidden Stash IPA. Uh, just a really brief overview of this bad boy. This stash is hidden right in plain sight. This thing, this IPA, is made with select nuggets of mosaic hops, uh, which uh, obviously gives you that burst of juicy, kind of sticky, uh, hoppy goodness. It's just, it's full of flavor. I absolutely love this thing right off the bat. It is phenomenal tasting, and it's not subtle, which is absolutely the way I like it. Yeah, and the IPAs normally have like that uh, dehydrating. This one's more of a juicier hop. It's it's pretty tasty. And for those of you who haven't actually been to Hop House, it's in Verona, Wisconsin. Um, they used to be in a smaller building, but actually they're getting a new building constructed right now, and the brewery looks awesome. If you go on their Facebook page, check it out. It looks like a really cool place to go and visit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and, and like I said, I although there's, I mean, the, the market is absolutely saturated with IPAs, but just because the can or bottle says IPA doesn't mean it's great. So the thing to keep in mind is, you know, when we review these, we're, we're, we're trying to give you a picture of exactly what you're getting here. And this one sits right with all of the, the, the really great top tier IPAs. It's like, like we said, it's not subtle. It is 100% going to give you hop forward taste. It's not a double. It's not going to crush you. Like you said, it's not going to be that overly uh, dehydrating, but it's not subtle. You're going to get that, that hoppy taste. It's going to be very forward you're going to get the bitterness. So you have to appreciate 
the the beer in order to um in order to drink this any ipa that goes for but this definitely awesome yeah i recommend checking it out grab it from your uh, local liquor store yeah again it was hop house hidden stash ipa and now for our local business shout out today's local business that we're featuring is hansen screen printing if you listen to my other podcast project cape podcast uh, filmed and recorded right here at this uh, same studio i've talked a lot about nate's business Hanson screen printing is phenomenal and Nate himself is just one of the best at customer service. He's so detail oriented and he's got an eye for everything design. So I encourage you if you need anything, add specialty uh, screen printed apparel or, you know, t-shirts or anything like that. Definitely give this guy a call or go to their website. Uh, they, they specialize in uh, printed apparel, screen printed apparel and uh, graphic design services but they also uh design and do custom vinyl graphics and other ad specialty stuff so i I would go to his website but also if you have time if you give him a call he has a a phenomenal shop where he can show you all the different t-shirt options different color options uh i mean this is an absolute uh just just a great business. I, I encourage everybody, this will be unlike any other experience you've had trying to get, you know, custom things printed. If you're a team and you need a, a jersey or you need, you know, swag for like the, the the people in the stands and stuff, definitely do it. This guy is awesome and he will, it'll be like he's a part of that team from then forth. I mean, he is an absolutely awesome, genuine character. Yeah, I knew Nate from school. He was a cool guy. I mean, he always played music, and me and you were both in the music. I mean, that's all we had talk about was playing music, and Nate was kind of a cool guy. We liked him. and uh, yeah. yeah, he uh, definitely, from from the moment that I met him and we talked about uh, different television and video production stuff, he was like a few classes ahead of me in that with uh, Mr. Adams, so... But it's a, it's a select few. You got to remember for for uh, broadcast journalism for and for uh, television video production, they only select sixteen students that apply to be a part of that class. So, I, I you know he he and I are a part of this sort of small, uh, close knit group that knows uh, you know about the the culture of of this class and and we got to experience such a um, a unique thing in high school and. So meeting him and and knowing him through all of that was was absolutely phenomenal. And he's just a genuine character. And then, like you said, the music stuff, he was a phenomenal bass player. I think he was in the band Cesarean with Tim Weber and a couple other guys. But just rock and roll, man. Awesome. Yeah. Definitely check it out. That's Hanson Screen Printing. All right. We have with us, actually, as a special guest, Nate Hanson of Hanson Screen Printing. How's it going, Nate? Uh, Not too bad. How are you guys doing? Hey, we're doing pretty all right. Can't complain. It's a Sunday and we're drinking some brews, man. Yep, same here. I uh, just got back from Devil's Lake. It was it was uh, crowded with fibs. There you go. See, that's the thing. Got to keep those people out of here. But I'm glad that you were up there doing the Wisconsin thing, supporting the uh, the state parks. Yeah, my, my wife actually, we had to park in overflow parking, and uh, she's a little irritated. And she's, she said, you know, they should just have uh, Illinois parking. In the overflow in Wisconsin, gets like first pick of parking. I like that. That you should know. actually be a thing. You know, that's what like like what we do with the uh, the Cubs and Brewers games now, where 
if you want to go to a Brewers game in Milwaukee, you you actually get first dibs if you live in Wisconsin. Oh yeah, we take advantage of that wholeheartedly. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, the the less Cub fans in the stadium, the better. The past four or five years, it got pretty bad. Oh yeah, disgusting, absolutely disgusting. Yeah. All right. So now at your uh, at your shop, explain to me a little bit about what you offer. I mean, I, I've been there before. I I toured it with you. You were kind enough to show me a little bit about it. But you know, tell tell our listeners what exactly uh, you offer and and everything about Hanson screen printing. Sure. Yeah. I, um, so I I uh, specialize in screen printing apparel, uh, embroidery, vinyl graphics, banners, signs, uh, and specialty items. You name it. So. Uh, you know, any sort of bumper stickers or just anything, pretty much anything you, you see that you want your logo on, and, and we can do it. Yeah, and, and I know you have uh, a lot of different items that people can take a look at right in your shop, so that way they can get a better idea of the, the quality uh, of the T-shirts that are available, and, and you kind of give them the, the option to, to, you know, manage their own T-shirt almost. Yeah, you know... Sometimes it's hard for, I get emails from people saying, uh, you know, I, I want seven shirts or I want 45 shirts. And I'm like, okay, well, you could break it down from a, a stiff cardboard style t-shirt that when you wash it once, it's going to get wide at the bottom and shrink up like a crop top. Or you can go with a little bit, a little more higher end shirt that that's going to last and you're actually going to wear, you know, I, I guess my, my biggest thing is, I want my clients and customers to make sure that the items that they're that they're picking out are going to be their next favorite shirt. And every every time they hand that shirt out to somebody, it's going to be their favorite shirt. So it, it just I want that spiral effect, and I want people to know that um, that what they pick out, you know, it's customizable. So we can we can start at the bottom, or we can go all the way up to something really really nice, but um, it's all up to them. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a huge thing. Cause I think a lot of t-shirts that I've had in the past, whether it's, uh, shirts that we've ordered for like softball or something like that, they've all turned out just, you know, really kind of mediocre quality and it's kind of let me down and I have to wear this thing over and over. And I think that it's a reflection on, on you as the, the team as well, or, you know, the business, if that's what it's for, that, at least you give them all that information up front and say, here's what you, here's what you can do. And, and it's your selection. So you, you run wild, let it be your, your decision. All right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it can be overwhelming at first. If you don't really know what you're looking for, you don't really understand, you know, the apparel industry, but once, once you come in and we kind of have a consultation and I can kind of pick your brain as to what you're looking for, then we can kind of steer ourselves in the right direction. Um, you know, I just don't want, I don't want these shirts to turn into sh- after, after two weeks. Cause yeah. that's essentially what, what the free hand me out shirts are at, at events. And, you know, they, they turn into just a rag that you cut up and you, you wipe up whatever, a spilled beer or, you know, anything. Yep. Uh, well, and I know you helped me create the, uh, the banner that we that we hang down in the studio as well uh, in the the logo itself i mean it was pretty much all you so yeah. i mean you have a, a not only the, the the product but you have kind of that that artistic ability as well to create the logo 
Right. Yeah. No. There's there's a lot of design stuff too. I mean, and yeah, it's a process. It it might take a little longer than just you sending me a logo of something that you want, but but actually working together to to create something that is just awesome and everything that you're looking for. That's that's where I feel some pride and you know so uh it all kind of stems from from high school taking art classes and i think you and i were in a, a couple of broadcast journalism classes together and you know so just taking that creativity and working with the customer it's it's huge i think yeah 100 percent. i know you were in some bands as well so you you obviously have to have a level of creativity and passion for for uh, your art in order to be in anything like that and play live so Right. Absolutely. Yep. All right. So we have uh, a few questions for you to, uh, to judge and base how Wisconsin you are. This is a little game we play. So, um, let's go ahead and start off with, have you ever milked a cow? Um, have I ever milked a cow? I'm sure on field trips I have, um, you know, I'm, that, that'd be the only, the only time I would. Yeah, I, I really my parent my family wasn't really into into farming or or my uh, extended family wasn't either. But I say yeah, yeah, I have definitely. That's kind of the more common thing, you know. If you've been on a field trip before, you've definitely experienced uh, what the zoo is the the one that I can think of where we would have uh, where we would have milked uh, a cow or seen it happen, or even at the fair maybe. For sure. Um. Have you ever worn a flannel to work? Yes. I actually, um, I did masonry for 18 years. Um, so a week out of high school, I was laying block and laying brick. And um, needed a, needed the health insurance, needed all that. So I was in the construction trades for a long time, and then I finally had the opportunity to, to get out of that and, and do something I was a little bit more passionate about. But, yeah, there was uh, definitely a flannel being worn on a daily basis. Yeah. I would imagine you got to stay warm if you're outside oh, yeah. laying, laying block. That's insane. Yep. You bet. All right. Uh, do you know what a cow chip is by chance? I do. They're delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I, I eat at least two or three every day. They do have the yeah, candy. No, I, I do. I, I believe in East Troy, uh, town nearby where I, where I live. I think they have a grid on, on one of the main drags. Yeah. It's not. I guess it wouldn't be a cow chip. It'd be, uh, maybe this is a different game. But this is where the cow chip might start. They have a cow walk around on a grid, and you draw a raffle ticket. Yeah. And wherever the cow shits, you win that money. Exactly. <laughs> no, I know. Not, I know what a cow chip is, but this isn't it. But maybe, maybe then they let it dry for a long time, and then they can use that chip for a different game. Yeah, yep, for a way different game. <laughs> so. <laughs> but that that's just a, i guess it's another wisconsin game that is kind of weird but it's a yeah it's another fun one right yeah yeah uh do you know or have you ever operated a snowblower i have okay yes i have yeah um you know i i don't own one just because i i'm like oh i can shovel i, I can keep doing this i'm not old enough to own one and Every year goes by, and we get that dumping of a foot of snow. And I look at my wife, and she says, "Just go buy one." Yeah, I'm like, Nate. Nah, no, I think I'll be fine. And then about four hours later, when my shoulders are on fire, you know, I start doing a little, little more research, and I never end up buying one, but I will eventually. Wait, Nate. Eventually, going to start buying New Balance or the Nike Monarchs. 
Oh, you betcha. <laughs> sure I am. I already got the white socks pulled up to my mid-cap. So. <laughs> He's got his socks pulled up to his nipples. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, this one's important. Do you know what the Wisconsin State bird is? Uh, yes, I do. Can can you can you name it? It's a robin. Okay. Oh yeah, nice. Good. Or the mosquito, as or, some people say. Or the mosquito. <laughs> mosquito. Yeah, I've heard that too. I've seen some some t-shirts on on Etsy or whatever. You know. Yeah, we should we should definitely change the the flag that we have. Yeah, killer mosquitoes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Have you ever been tailgating? Now I know as a as a fellow Brewer fan, I think I know the answer to this. Yeah, I I have. Um, Sometimes I don't give myself enough time to, but I always pack it or I stop and get a little four pack for my walk in. Yep. Um, but uh, this year it's it's going to be a little different to tailgate. But I'm I'm contemplating on just going to the stadium when they have games going on and tailgating. I don't know if it's going to be allowed, but yeah, I I, I actually wondered that myself because I know they're going to be doing a sixty game season and. Uh, I don't think fans are allowed at this point, but I wonder, you know, what they're doing to regulate parking lot stuff. Right. And also another thought I had is that right field, there's that glass that you can kind of see yep. the field. I might figure out a way just to prop myself up there for a couple games and watch something. I'm, I miss it. I'm, I'm a little uh, depressed without it. So yeah. yes, I love tailgating. Um, my main goal was to tailgate for opening day, even though they didn't have it. But that just didn't work out with this COVID stuff. And, you know, it was raining. And I'm like, you know what? I, I can't go unless I'm going in. So, yeah, definitely. I definitely miss it too. I'm right there with you. Speaking of tailgating, uh, do you eat brats? And do you do that with or without sauerkraut? I, I do eat brats. And, uh, you know what? I, I eat pretty much anything tailgating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> definitely. You know, sauerkraut. Eh, it depends on the mood, you know. Yeah, it's it's definitely a it's a it's a game changer if you're into it. If you're not, then you know it's probably just a a sour tangy piece of uh, stringy cabbage. Yeah, but. I, I'd say I'm fifty fifty with the sauerkraut. It depends how long the the jar's been sitting in the sun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, the longer the better. And uh, one final question before we let you loose here. Have you ever been to a Wisconsin Badgers football game and participated in Jump Around? I have. Um, I've got I've got three daughters, and I've I've gone to regular season games, but I've I like to take them to the spring game. Yeah, to where it's just a, a practice game where you know they have a squad pretty much playing against each other, but they do the jump around, they do the fifth quarter. Um, it's great for families. You know, you don't have your the drunk college kids around and me being a little bit older i'm kind of grown out of that phase um a little bit but yeah yep been to been to some games and i plan on going to more so awesome yeah and and it it is a different environment like you said it's a little bit more family friendly so for anybody out there the spring game is something to keep in mind if you're not really looking to uh see the the adult sites (laughs) right and and kids get you know younger kids think they're in an actual game you know, they they do a lot with the kids. They have uh, they have stuff in the practice uh, practice dome where kids can ha- carry the axe if we have it that year, or uh, you know, try on helmets and gear. It's it's fun and it's it's more of a family atmosphere, like I said. But 
But awesome. if you want to party, then you definitely need to go against yeah. Michigan, Michigan <laughs> State, Ohio State, you know, stuff like that. So Absolutely. All right, man. Well, thank you again for uh, for doing this with us. And uh, if there's any last parting words you have for uh, for any of the um, for any of the listeners, uh, go ahead and speak your piece. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you, you giving me a call and invite me to this. I want I watch. I listen to it every week, so it's nice to be in the back printing and got some podcasts to listen to and actually learn some stuff that I didn't know, even though I'm been born and raised in Wisconsin. But there's a lot of lot of good information out there but yeah if anybody's looking for some apparel or wants want some stuff done just give me a shout handsomescreenprinting.com and and we'll go from there we'll figure out your next favorite t-shirt awesome man thank you so much and i hope you have an awesome day thanks nate thanks you too yep take care guys bye bye all right that concludes this episode of wisconsin drunken history podcast if you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, we recommend you subscribe via SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, leave us a review on any one of those above-mentioned sites, and we can read one at the end of every show. Follow us on social media, and feel free to reach out, especially if there is a piece of history or weird news you'd love us to share or research, as well as highlight some local artists or music. Our website is projectcapestudio.com. I'd also like to thank my friend and past co-worker, Steph Skibak, for providing us with awesome podcast cover art, as well as the Dangits for intro and outro music, and all of you for listening. As always, watch, watch out, out for deer, deer on, on the way, way home. home.